This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly from Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra Podcast. Carol, this week, I caught up in Berlin with David Rubenstein. You've heard of him. Yeah, I have, right? This is a great name. You want to hear what he has to say about the environment and certainly a really well-known known. Uh, shit. And certainly a really well-known name to the world of private equity. He certainly is. We should mention, of course, he is the host of the David Rubenstein Show on Bloomberg mm-hmm. Television. So we get to know him uh, that way as well. He mentions his show uh, in passing. Take a listen. So this is Mecca for private equity every year, Berlin of all places. What are you learning, if anything, kind of as you walk around and talk to people? Well, I'm learning how much I've aged because I've been seeing some of these same people for 20 years and they look younger and I look older. So I uh, have recognized that if you go to these conferences long enough, you uh, actually get to see people in a different light. I've seen these people when they were young, now they're middle-aged, now they're older. But to be very serious, uh, private equity seems to be in pretty good shape. There's no real concern about the global economy here. People think that fundraising is in pretty good shape. It's pretty easy to raise money now. You have to put the time into it, but money's available. People want to give money to private equity firms, and there are a lot of new private equity firms that are raising money with modest track records. So right now, I think the industry is feeling pretty good about itself. Well, and let's talk about that, because there is a very sort of good, warm feeling here in Berlin. The weather's nice out. Maybe that's helping contribute to it. But, you know, in the meantime, you have President Trump and Kim over in Vietnam, you know, trying to sort out their differences. You've got Theresa May in Parliament, you know, trying to convince people that she has the right deal uh, for Brexit. Numerous other things happening around the globe. Is private equity immune or ignorant or what's going on? Well, I wouldn't say immune or ignorant. I would say, obviously, this kind of setting is a bit of a bubble because people are here to sell things, people are here to buy things. But private equity does reflect the global economy and does reflect some of the concerns that we all have. But I think right now people feel fairly ebullient about their returns, fairly good about their ability to raise new money. And remember, we're not in a recession anywhere in the world, really. And as a result, people are, numbers look pretty good. So if the economy were to go down, then people won't feel so good. I contrast this a little bit with Davos. Davos uh, this year, people were a little downbeat. They thought that the economy was going to head down. The American uh, government officials didn't show up. That put a little bit of a damper on some of the events there. But generally, Davos was probably not as ebullient as this place is today. That was only a month ago. Did something yes. change in the world, or well, is no, it a different well, cast of character? Well, the people here are focused on private equity. There at Davos, you get government leaders who worry about different issues. It's a different kind of setting. But I would say when you meet these people here today in private equity, uh, Mecca, which is what some people would call it, it's really a, a fairly happy place. People think that there's a lot of money to be made and a lot of good deals out there. Well, because one of the things that makes them happy is they've got happy investors at this point. A lot of money is going back to the big institutions, the sovereign wealth funds. You talk to those guys all the time. Why do they continue to pour money? Is it just for the returns or is there something else going well, there's no doubt that private equity uh, has yielded very good returns, and the sovereign wealth investors have so much money, they have to put it out with firms that are able to consume that money and get good returns. I think generally people are happy, but their biggest concern is they're getting money back more rapidly than they know what to do with it. So they have to deploy it more quickly than they thought they were going to. This is not a place, though, that people are that worried today about the economy falling apart or something in the next year or 
So right now, people are feeling pretty good about things. So let's talk about that money flow, because as you say, a lot of money is going back to limited partners. That means they're trying to put more and more money to work. How much do you worry about the overhang, the dry powder? I mean, approaching $2 trillion at this point. There's no doubt that there's more dry powder than there's ever been. Uh, but remember, I, I tell people, you don't go to jail if you don't invest the money. People are not going to put money out in bad deals because you typically have your own money at risk uh, with this, and you recognize that you can hurt your track record if you put money out when it's not good to do so. So if you have a fund and you have to invest only 75 or 80% of it, it's not terrible not to invest the whole fund if you can't find good deals. So people are worried about uh, not you know, wasting money and so forth, but I don't think it's been a big issue in the industry right now. So let's talk about what you're up to these days. You uh, seated, as it were, the CEO job, uh, the co-CEO job right. to Q Sung Lee and Glenn Youngkin. They're running the firm day to day. Yet, as you pointed out to me earlier, you're still one of the largest shareholders, maybe the largest shareholder. A lot of the economics still uh, come to you, so you have no lack of influence, but what does your world look like at this point? Well, um, we thought, Bill Conway and Dan Daniello and I, that when we turned uh, in our late 60s and got close to 70, it'd be a good idea to have younger people running it. I think that is a good idea. So we asked two people, uh, Glenn Youngkin and Kusang Lee, to run it day to day. So we, uh, we are now, Bill Conway and I are the co-executive chairs. We are the biggest shareholders. Uh, we have some influence, of course, if you're a big shareholder. And Bill is still a co-CIO, and I spend a lot of time with investors. But I do spend time on other things. I have set up a family office to invest my money outside of Carlisle in deals, deals that won't, won't conflict with Carlisle. I am the uh, chairman of the Kennedy Center in Washington. I'm the chairman of the Smithsonian, chairman of the Library of Congress board, and I'm chairman of the Council on Foreign Relations. That takes some time. And I'm also on the Harvard Corporation, which takes some time. And I uh, you know, generally have uh, a TV show that you may know right. on a very, very good uh, network. I think maybe the best network. I think it's the best network, absolutely. Uh, so what have you learned in, in sort of the, this new role? It's not that different from what you were doing before, but especially as an investor in a family office, how are you going about that? What's the, what's the ethos of that? Well, in the family office, I'm kind of doing some of the things I did 20 years ago at Carlisle. I'm spending more time on some of the investments, more time directly with, uh, with the younger investment professionals, and I enjoy it. I, one of my daughters works in the family office. We have a very good team of people. So I'm reliving my youth. Maybe I'll live longer. What's, the, uh, what's been the biggest surprise uh, investing your own money uh, all over again? You've always been doing it to some extent, but this is really yours and your family's money. My surprise is really that uh, there are a lot of people out there who don't think I'm too old to want to put their money with me or have me be an investor with them. You know, I don't think I'm going to live for another 30 or 40 years, but people are willing to have my money and willing to have me engage with them, so I, that makes me feel good. I'd be interested in your thoughts on sort of wealth right now, because we're at such an interesting political time. Right. You've been very involved in the Giving Pledge. You uh, you are part of a cohort of uh, philanthropists who right. give a lot of thought to this. What political moment are we at right now? Well, clearly in the United States right now, there is a feeling that the wealth um, disparity is so great that the government needs to do something about it. And you'll see in the Democratic primaries, a lot of talk about wealth redistribution. I don't really think that's likely to happen anytime soon. It's not that easy to do. You can't just tax all the people in the Forbes 400 and solve all your problems. But I do think there's going to be more uh, concern about it. I do think politically this probably helps the Republicans because more and more that people talk about wealth taxes and higher state taxes and higher taxes on people of certain incomes, 
you're probably going to get a lot of people saying, well, I don't think I can support that party. So to some extent, you have to wonder whether some people in the Democratic Party that talk about this are really plants by the Republican Party to get more attention uh, to the fact that uh, the, the Democrats, if they got control, some of these things would not be good for some people who are wealthy. Now, obviously that's tongue in cheek, but there's no doubt that some people who are very visible on the, on the wealth changing situation are probably people that actually help Republicans. And so where does that end in, in your estimation? We're in a very different political environment post midterms right. than we were. Uh, you know, what do you think? Well, right now, I don't think there's going to be any tax bill between now and the next presidential election. I think that's done. There's nothing that the, the, the Senate that's controlled by the Republicans is going to pass that the House would pass. But if the next presidential election were to be won by President Trump, I don't think you'll see a lot of change in this area. If one of the Democratic candidates that is talking about this were to win, then obviously there'll be some change in this area, I suspect so. So more regulation not coming at the moment for uh, private equity. Carried interest, you know, always comes back uh, into the conversation. I know you've been asked about this recently. Do you think there are any going to be any changes that would materially affect private equity anytime soon? Well, I think private equity is generally regarded as being doing a pretty good job, so I don't see a lot of regulatory uh, push on it. On carried interest, right now, I don't see the, the House of Representatives passing a major tax bill that the Senate will also pass, and therefore I think there's not likely to be anything until after the next presidential election. So macroeconomically, what's your biggest concern for the balance of 2019? Well, the biggest concern for the last couple of years is can the economy continue growing at a rate that escapes a recession? We haven't had a recession in about 10 years, and at some point the economy will slow down. I don't see it happening now. Another concern is the amount of debt. We have $22 trillion of federal debt. We're having $1.3 trillion this year of additional deficit, which will add to the debt. That's a concern uh, of some people. Uh, one of your former colleagues, I believe, is the chairman of the Federal Reserve. You've interviewed him, Jay Powell. Uh, what do you make of the job he's doing so far, especially given you know pretty dramatic uh, change over the last few months in terms of interest rates? He had a very difficult situation. Whoever was in his position would probably have to normalize interest rates a bit, and he's done that. But the economy's in still pretty good shape, so I don't think he should be criticized because actually he managed to get some increases of interest rates off the ground, which were necessary, without actually hurting the economy. So, Carol, that was my conversation with David Rubenstein. Always a character, wide-ranging, of course. Got to talk a little politics. Mm -hmm. Got to talk a yeah. little bit about what he's doing these days because he doesn't have exactly the same day job anymore. No, it's very different and always good to get his perspective. All right, that is the Bloomberg Business Week Extra Podcast. I'm Carol Master, along with Jason Kelly, and this is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.